Welcome to Embossed. I'm Ravana filling in for Senator Nina Turner today. Just want to remind everybody who's watching, don't forget to subscribe if you're not already and share the stream, share it with your friends, share it with your frenemies. <laughs> and don't forget to send some love in the comments so that I can read those later. And today I'm so happy to be joined by Jackson White, Revel HQ contributor. It's such a, it's so nice that we get to do this again. <laughs> we were on together last yeah. week, back together this week. Yeah, it really is. And I didn't know. I didn't know last week. I didn't know today. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just feeling good. It's always hilarious when we're on together. And like Nina Turner said, if you want clean water, I got my big old jug right here. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to go. So I think you got your, yeah, you got yours too. We're ready to go. We got the water. water. <laughs> yep, we got the water. Only thing I'm missing is my glasses. But other than that, good to go. <laughs> oh, you said it's always a hilarious time. So let's dive right into this first story because there's <laughs> going to be some laughs to come <laughs> out yeah. of this one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the truth is, is that we got here from women. The transgendered movement has been ushered in by women. I was explaining this to Charlie just now on his radio show. I said every ill that we are fighting right now in society has been brought forth by women. Every ill in society has been brought forth <laughs> by women. So it's not just Candace Owens, apparently, it's multiple career women in right wing media who are telling young girls to give up on their dreams despite this conference existing because of the work of women who valued their careers. You know, we've got more. I just want to bring you in right away on this, Jackson, because I mean, <laughs> it's it's some tomfoolery for her to be standing up there yeah. saying that women are responsible for all of our ills. Channeling her inner Dr. Dre, you know what I'm saying? With the songs <laughs> that I can't I can't say over the air, but you know the type of rhetoric that Dr. Dre spews. She she's doing her thing. But yeah, I think importantly like you pointed out, you know, it's Women who give this type of message are like very successful career women who are like on a very tight prompt schedule. They got to show up, they got to travel around the country, they got to be on top of their production. You know, like a lot of work, a lot of rights. We were talking about this before. She kind of, she's being like the, like just pearly things. I'm sure everybody watching is pretty familiar with just pearly things who says stuff like, women should, well, let me do it in her voice. Women shouldn't have the right to vote because they don't get drafted and they get to skip out on the draft. You know, like, so, but meanwhile, just pearly things is. Ben had money and she's a working woman. So it's always funny to watch working successful women say that, you know, women just go back to the kitchen and give up on participating in the modern economy. Yeah. Also, you know, there's just some irony and pick me pearl complaining about women not being drafted <laughs> as if a man is going to be drafted anytime soon. Right, right. Like <laughs> most of us, like we all, as men, we just, we all have to face these things, you know. So I'm 31 <laughs> and I've yet to be drafted. And if there was a draft, I would tell them no and take my chances in prison. <laughs> right, like it's I was, it's not Vietnam Pearl. It's not exactly a reality <laughs> for Bud. Exactly. Um, so this was a Turning Point USA conference. <laughs> Ironically, it was a young <laughs> woman's leadership <laughs> conference, and um, of course, who better to speak at a young woman's leadership conference than a man, namely Charlie Kirk? Let's watch. Every single one of you in this room have what it takes to be a talented person in office or in corporate life. Most importantly, please become a wife and, a, and start a family. That is the most important thing. The most important thing you could do, according to Charlie Kirk, become a wife, start a family. This is a women's leadership <laughs> conference. And I'm sorry, conservatives don't exactly see women as even the leaders in their own household. So to say that you need to be resigned to a home life, to bearing children, you know, like this is a, a an instructional video from the 1940s about how women need to behave in society. I mean, it's so it's so ass backwards, right? And what should we be expecting from Turning Points USA but this? And of course, Charlie Kirk, who made a career off of speaking on things he's not qualified to speak on. I mean, God, he runs an organization about you know conservative voices being silenced on college campuses. He's never gone to college. I mean, of course, he's also going to put his you know, put himself in women's business as well, or tell women to stay out of business at the very least. Um, you know, Jackson, these women paid money to go to this conference, and this is the type of advice that they're receiving. <laughs> Do you think this is what they signed up for, what they expected? I mean, I think it's uh, a good chance for some of them it was. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, they had to have at least uh, expected that a little bit. But um, you know, again, I, I don't think that that wasn't like a dating conference specifically for women who are looking to get married. So, you know, at the end of the day, the reality of relationships is, you know, you really can't plan for what happens in terms of how you meet people, how you connect with people. Um, and women work and have children at the same time all the time. In fact, most people do that. Uh, we live in a in the modern economy. You really can't survive off of one income. It's just really not possible. Um, a lot of that rhetoric too, though, comes from the fact that women are basically what happened. Long story short, is after the sexual revolution, women did a lot better in the economy than anybody really expected or anticipated. And so, as women are basically just doing well and men aren't necessarily doing as good in terms of just like the drastic growth. A lot of the labor jobs are disappearing. Men aren't participating in college and as, uh, as much as women. That's where a lot of this rhetoric comes from. We got to do something about it. You know, it, it, men don't be better, don't adjust. We just got to do something about it or systemic issues. We're not going to address any of that. But at the end of the day, most women who have children or most couples who have children, both of them are working because you have to. Right, and we can get into some of the numbers on that here. And that Charlie Kirk with his uppercase head and lowercase face wasn't willing to divulge <laughs> at that conference. Um, but let's let's talk about these statistics about women in the workforce. Let's pull this up. Women account for 47.7% of the global workforce. Only 27.1% of women are managers and leaders. 42% of women claim they have been discriminated against at work because of their gender. 48% of women occupy entry level roles. And of course, apparently Candace Owens thinks that women are responsible for the fact that women are being discriminated against in the workplace <laughs> or experiencing workplace sexual harassment. But let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about another lackluster woman who's always trying to put women down, Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> You're told you can't say things like this, and I'm going to say it. I just drove up to here at the Gaylord, and I saw three flags. <laughs> and one of the flags, which was just as big as the other ones, our United States flag, the Texas flag, was the rainbow flag. And the rainbow flag, <laughs> the rainbow flag, as we all know, represents what we're going, Pride Month right now. Now I'm going to tell you, and I'm standing in this in the in the Gaylord, and they might kick me out and never want me to come back. Shame on them! The only flags that should ever be hung should be our United States flag, and it's big and beautiful in the back of this room, and a state flag. I think this is something a little bit funny about Marjorie Taylor Greene saying that gay people's lives are shameful, but she's like well known for repeatedly cheating on her husband <laughs> with every guy at her CrossFit gym. Like that's the woman who's gonna <laughs> preach family values to us. Please, please. One, especially too. I mean, I'm I'm more than certain there were gay people in that audience. Right. I mean, there, there's no way that no one in that audience uh, was gay. Uh, and two, I mean, you know, when she says like the only two, the only flags that should be hung up is the the American flag and the state flag. It's kind of like a nice opinion, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, <laughs> that's cool that you think that, but people can hang up any anything that they like, especially when everyone knows that Pride Month exists. It's not like it just snuck up on us and it's brand new. Like this is a yearly occurrence, and for the most part, it's a very happy month. I mean, it, 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 anytime you see footage of uh, pride parades, what do you see? You typically see people having a very good time, being very accepting of one another, which uh, gets to conservatism is very scary and frightening that people are open-minded. So I, I guess that's all it is. But I guarantee you that there were gay people in that audience. There's no way there wasn't. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just statistically, there has to be. Whether or not those people want to come forward and admit it, <laughs> there's right. definitely some gay people in that audience. Um, all right, so there's that stupidity. Let's move on to some different stupidity about some <laughs> Trump supporters and what they believe. Let's watch. I think it's a bunch of bull <laughs> Trump ain't done that wrong thing Trump done is, is saved this country. They're not gonna let it stop. Mm -hmm. They can't stand the fact that he's running for president. And I am a Donald Trump fan. It's uh, probably altered, um, but it's just typical, typical uh, liberal propaganda. None of the Republican voters CNN spoke with had read the indictment. 
No, I wouldn't waste my time on a phony indictment. <laughs> it's phony. It's bogus. Have I read it? <laughs> Bet your ass I have not read it, sir. <laughs> I, haven't read, I haven't read a book since 1982, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, for the love of, it's just the, and I understand there's a cult of personality around Trump, but to be so severe and pervasive that they won't, they don't even know what the indictment's about. They have not a clue what it's about, but they are certain it is fraudulent. I mean, Jackson, this is, it's disheartening as much as it is funny, right? Because of Mm -hmm. course, we want to laugh at the ridiculousness of these people's ignorance, but simultaneously, those people vote in elections. And that's how Donald Trump became president. In the first place, and and they often vote more and harder than liberals, uh, time after time. Oftentimes, liberals don't necessarily, and by liberal, I mean pretty much anybody to the left. Uh, oftentimes, don't show up to the polls, not necessarily for bad reason, but won't show up to the polls. Entire groups won't show up. Young people, uh, the black vote, Hispanic vote, you see that happening all the time within the Democratic Party. Uh, so yes, you're very right, they vote. Um, but you know, it's really crazy to watch because it's like Donald Trump. The two time indicted, okay? Like he just took documents and just didn't give them back. And then the other time it was because he paid off a porn star with campaign dollars. He was impeached twice. My man is coming with quadruples, twice impeached, twice indicted. And then his entire life is littered with financial crime. Donald Trump has ripped off thousands of people over the decades. That's not hyperbole. That's what he does. Donald Trump rips people off. His bankruptcies in a lot of ways are strategic. It's not just, oh, I suck at business. It's if this company goes bankrupt, I can pocket the 5% while the other 95% go to hell. That's what he does. He's a fraud. He's a con artist. So, I mean, at this point, when he said he could go out on Fifth Ave and, and, and pop somebody in the head, he really wasn't lying. Because, I mean, what more do they need to see? They can't move on from a man who has one shot left. Right. I mean, he's so much of a fraud that when things were looking bad for him, he decided to start selling NFTs of himself <laughs> photoshopped in <laughs> on the moon and in a cowboy outfit. I mean, right. he, the guy is an absolute, he's just a clown. So much so that you pointed out he's been indicted twice now. I mean, on how many charges? I think it was 38 this last time. Yeah, 30, yeah, 37, 38, something like that in the last one. And I don't I don't remember what the previous one was because it's so hard to keep up with it. Right. But I think my favorite thing about his statement post the federal indictment that just came down was in his statement, he said, I can't imagine ever being indicted. And I'm like, yes, you can, sir. You <laughs> were just it just happened to you last month. It's just, right. Same thing, but not at a state level. I mean, I think you can perfectly imagine what it's like to be indicted. Um, But you know, as as I said, the reaction of the Trump supporters is concerning, and I want to show you this headline from the Guardian, and as to why I think it's really concerning. So, according to the Guardian, 12 million Americans believe violence is justified to restore Trump (laughs) to power, and they have a. a graph here that shows the support over time. Um, uh, belief that the use of force is justified to restore Trump to presidency has declined. Thank God. But I oh, mean, oh well, it's still 12 million. So right. you know, I mean, you know, that's that that's quite a bit of people. But at one point, it was almost 10 percent of the adults in the United States in <laughs> September of 2021. It was almost 10 percent. That's horrifying. I'm sorry, that's nothing to me but mortifying. Yeah. And again, because the thing is, is it's like, this isn't gonna just disappear, it's right. not. And, and and the craziest thing about it to me is it's like, when you really dissect it, these people really want a dictatorship. They, they really do want that. Mm-hmm. They feel as though the only way we can get this country back on track is if somebody just comes in and takes it. If somebody just comes in and does what they want, you know, to hell with all these rules that 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 separate the powers. That's the path that the Republican Party is on. When they reversed Roe v. Wade, they didn't need any evidence to know that that was going to be a bad idea. It passed 50 years ago. After the after they reversed it, state after state passing these 12 week, six week abortion bans, making it more difficult to vote. Republicans are the uh, the, the Supreme Court making it so that the EPA can't do its job. Time after time. All the Republican Party's doing is moving further to the right. So again, I say all that to say, the reality of Donald Trump is that after 2024, that's really it. That's it for him, and they can't see it. So what are they gonna do when he 
ultimately almost certainly loses. Donald Trump almost certainly is not going to be president again. So what? how are they going to react to that? Right. Got to find out. Well, how are they going to react if Donald Trump actually has to spend some time in prison? That's <laughs> right. concerning too. I right. mean, although the shows of support for him have been pretty weak lately, you know, there wasn't that big of a rally outside the courthouse when he was indicted in New York. It doesn't look like there's going to be that big of a one in Miami, or there wasn't. You know, it's just. But having this many people actually believe that, I mean, of course, we saw. Trump supporters literally be willing to storm the Capitol building to try to impose Trump. But I think you're right. There's something really, really ironic about them claiming that they're doing this to preserve democracy, but their <laughs> version of preserving democracy is overthrowing the democratically elected president to install a dictator in Donald Trump. Right. Basically, they want a monarchy or something like that. Right. Because it's just so and and you know, Ron DeSantis is clearly not the savior. You know, he's not he's not coming to rescue the establishment. So there's really no one else for them to pan to. Um, at least right now. But again, yeah. after 2020, Trump ain't running for no other office. Trump's an old man. Trump I mean, he may not act he acts like a child, you know what I'm saying? But he is an old man and this is it for him, but they can't see it. Yeah, given the way that he eats, I'm shocked that he's even made it <laughs> this I, far. I guess it's just because he's rich. And you know, evil people have a way of just living for a very long time. Right. Yeah, that's just how life Shout works. out Henry Kissinger. <laughs> right, he's still around. Ain't he like 100 years old or something? Yes, he just turned 100. Yeah, man, the dark, dark hearts last, man. That's That's all it is. Right. All right. Well, we got to go to our first break, but stick around because we'll be back and I'll be reading some of your comments on the other side. So stick around. Welcome back to Unboss. We were having a little bit of fun during the break there. <laughs> um, but I also want to say thank you to all the mods who make sure that the chat gets to have fun too, especially during the breaks. Keep the conversation clean and safe. So thank you for all your hard work, especially the mods over on Twitch and on YouTube. Um, I also want to remind everybody, if you haven't already, you need to subscribe now to TYT's morning weekly newsletter, The Progress Report. Every morning we're gonna give you the best progressive news, analysis and reporting. Of course, there's all those big stories that the corporate media is botching, but we're gonna let you know what's actually going on. The stories that they're completely covering up, we're gonna find those and share them with you, as well as give you some TYT original reporting. So you can scan that QR code right there or go to tyt.com slash newsletter to sign up because it's honestly really hard to scan code off of the screen sometimes. So tyt.com slash newsletter. Um, I also wanna remind everybody um, that progressives are a part of an unstoppable movement and we truly care about expanding the circle of liberty. Justice is coming, we'll give you the tools to build momentum and push for a progressive future. So don't forget to pre-order today at tyt.com slash justice. Justice is coming and the book is here. So go ahead and get your pre-orders in today. Now let's turn to what some of you are saying in the comments. Over on Twitch, Dranger Dragon says, Ray and Paper Dragon says, oh snaps, it's Ray J. Oh, nice. Did we come up? Someone said that last week about us, Rob. I think so. Yeah, and it's stuck. And since it since it's been said more than once now, that's just gonna be the official. We need to make some merch. You know, right. It's official, no doubt. <laughs> exactly. Someone in the chat, get on that. You guys are creative. Um, Brandy on YouTube says, "Ray of Sunshine." Oh, thank you. Actually, my dragon right behind me. I don't know if you can see it on the screen right now, but the purple um, one. Right. Yeah, over there. Purple is so my favorite color. <laughs> I love all the dragons. Um, and then lastly, on the member section, progressive in a red state, God bless you, says name a conference for women's leadership to draw them in and then preach to them to regress. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's of course in keeping with what Turning Point is as an organization, what Charlie Kirk does as an individual, but it's it's so it's so funny to me, right? Like to call that a women's leadership conference when you're leading them to be to followers, not lead, right? To to <laughs> not lead. Don't stand don't stand up for yourself. Don't speak up. Just, just shut up. <laughs> shut up and have babies. All right? <laughs> right. That's all you're good for. We're leading them into the kitchen. That's why it's called the Women's Leadership Conference. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of women who are in leadership, after Trump's indictment, Hillary Clinton started grifting, and it's got me asking, WTF, neoliberal? We will now. 
O'Neill. Miss Cinema. Miss Cinema. No. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Following Trump's indictment, Hillary took to Twitter in an exceptionally cringy fashion. So let's pull up the tweet from Hillary Clinton, former first lady, former senator, former secretary of state, former candidate against Donald Trump for president. Tweeted, bringing this back in light of recent news, get a limited edition but her emails hat and support onward together groups working to strengthen our democracy. And a picture of her in a hat with a smug look on her face. And the hat says, but her emails, which I mean, for the love of God, Hillary, first thing, it's not 2016 anymore. Since but her emails was relevant, I've graduated high school, I've graduated college, I've graduated <laughs> law school. The I've lived a whole lifetime since but her emails was relevant. <laughs> Let's get a new thing, please. It's time to move on. And secondly, Trump's already grifting off of the indictment. We don't need you hopping on the grift bandwagon as well. I mean, the amount of money he's raised since the indictment is shocking. Um, but let's she's raising this money for Onward, which may on its face seem like a good thing. But let's dig into exactly what Onward does, because she claims it's helping to strengthen democracy. And it doesn't exactly look like it's doing that, at least not from a financial perspective. So here's an example of what they were doing in the 2020 election cycle. Now, Daily Beast reported that over the first 18 months of the 2020 election cycle, her political outfit paid more in donation processing fees than it doled out in political contributions, campaign finance records show. The Onward Together Committee, which Clinton founded in the months after her 2016 election defeat, donated just $21,700 to six political candidates and political committees in 2019 and the first half of 2020, according to an FEC filing this week. By that point in the 2018 election cycle, the Onward Together Committee had made $130,000 in political contributions, even as it brought in about $30,000 less during the equivalent period. So one of the things about these, these organizations that some people who don't work in politics might not know is they're kind of just a revolving door of getting your friends money. It's the administration, you know, costs of running these things. And of course, you know, you're kicking some money to the donation processing servers as well. And in the end, not a lot of the money that's being donated is actually going to the candidate, <laughs> which is concerning. So is she actually, you know, you know, helping preserve democracy with this money, or is she maybe getting some kickbacks for some of her political friends? That's for you to decide. But let's also talk about the fact that, you know, maybe you wouldn't be, you know, regressed down to just making snarky tweets about Trump. If you had run a better campaign in 2016, <laughs> for the love of God, you could be the president <laughs> instead of just making snarky butter email tweets. She wouldn't be in a position to be, you know, embarrassing herself in this grifting fashion. And like, she could have won. She should have won. And yeah. I'll be the first to say that. One of the reasons that she didn't, of course, was sexism. I'm not going to claim that you know it's all entirely her fault, but a good chunk of it is, is her fault, especially that she missed what was happening in the Rust Belt. So let's pull up this headline from the Atlantic. How the Rust Belt paved Trump's road to victory. The president-elect won by locking in support from traditional blue wall states Hillary Clinton thought were in her corner. We've you know relitigated the 2016 election a million times, but we all know that she ignored key states that Trump ended up winning, that she, if she had spent more time focused on campaigning on, you know, if she sent Bernie Sanders to campaign for her in those states, maybe that night in November of 2016 would have gone differently. And maybe our country would be in a very different place. And maybe the president wouldn't be currently, you know, <laughs> a sundowning old man. And we wouldn't have to worry about a different sundowning old bozo who's trying to run against him again. I mean, Jackson, it's just, I, I don't know, maybe that's all she has left is this petty sort of grifting stuff. I, I just, her career in politics is over. I think well, well, first, but first, I think it's important to point out that Hillary Clinton, as is, is, is you stated, is exceptionally bad at campaigning. Not only, not only did she lose to Donald Trump, but keep this in mind: before she lost to Trump, she lost to a black man who no one had ever heard of before. <laughs> that's pretty significant. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that, there's a lot to be said about that. 
Um, but also, uh, it's just hilarious because Hillary Clinton, this whole Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump kind of represents like an entire decade of politics in this country. Because as you pointed out, you graduate, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm like five, six years old. I graduated high school in 2010. But when I first moved to, I moved to New Jersey in 2016 when all of this was taking place. And I have grown up, I'm 31 years old now, I was 24 when this was first going on. You know, so. No one can seem to take these people out of their minds, like Fox and Friends. Anyone who's talking about Trump indictment, what are they saying? Well, Hillary's emails. Well, look at Joe Biden. He had he had uh, uh, documents too, and they keep bringing it back to these people who basically represent a failed era. Hillary Clinton is basically the representation of the new Democrats that her husband, Bill Clinton, put into place. A representation of an era that is no more. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not surprised to see her doing this, but. I mean, even before, like we're still seeing articles like, is Hillary Clinton gonna run again? I mean, right. I haven't seen one of those for a couple of months now, and of course she's not gonna run again. But just millions of people in this country cannot get beyond the 90s, basically, is what it seems like to me. Right, and it's, yeah, and I do want to say it's also the Republicans, like you pointed out on Fox News, they're still talking about the Mueller report. <laughs> I That's an era ago, I don't yeah. even. Robert Mueller's name means very little to me at this point in our, our political history. I mean, for the love of God, these people need to learn how to move on. Let's yeah. move on to the next thing, please, and stop relitigating this election. Um, but speaking on, speaking about moving on to the next thing, let's move on to this next story, um, which is a little bit of a throwback for people who were watching last week. Because last week on the show, we discussed Tucker Carlson's debut episode of his Twitter show. Um, and here's a reminder, just a little taste of how uh, that went. What's happened to the hundreds of billions of US dollars we've sent to Ukraine? No clue. Who organized those BLM riots three years ago? No one's gotten to the bottom of that. What exactly happened on 9-11? Well, it's still classified. How did Jeffrey Epstein make all that money? How did he die? How about JFK? And so endlessly on. Yesterday, for example, a former Air Force officer who worked for years in military intelligence came forward as a whistleblower to reveal that the US government has physical evidence of crashed non-human made aircraft, as well as the bodies of the pilots who flew those aircraft. The Pentagon has spent decades studying these otherworldly remains in order to build more technologically advanced weapons systems. Okay, that's what the former intel officer revealed, and it was clear he was telling the truth. In other words, UFOs are actually real, and apparently so is extraterrestrial life. Uh, I'll just say that Tucker is talking about extraterrestrial life, but he looks pretty alien in this video. I've not seen him look like he's in rare form here. I mean, why is he that color? And they got they, they, they got the lights dimmed and everything. They trying to set the mood. You know what I'm saying? This looks absolute. I'm sorry, it looks so ridiculous. It's way too dark in that room. He really was not set up, not equipped to transition from being in a studio with an entire team of producers and you know camera workers, light engineers, sound engineers. Now he's just in a shed, I think, maybe <laughs> like a Unabomber type shed with the with a laptop camera and no overhead lights. Um, but I do kind of want to pat myself on the back because last week when we talked about the story, I mentioned that I was curious to to know if Tucker was contractually bound by Fox News, if Fox News still owned the rights to his content, if he would even be able to do this kind of show. Uh, and if that's why he was maybe taking it to Twitter, where it's really difficult to monetize versus taking it, you know, to another network instead of joining, I mean, and doing the walk of shame to go <laughs> play his, his role on Newsmax <laughs> or OAN, you know. But I, I, I said that I, I would like to know that, and we kind of have an answer now um, because too bad for Tucker, his old employer, Fox News, has some things to say, and they're specifically saying them in a cease and desist letter. So Axios reported that Fox sends Tucker Carlson's cease and desist letter. And let's get into a little bit about what, why they sent that. Um, Mike Allen reported that the contract battle between Fox and its former top host, who was taken off the air in April after the network's historic Dominion settlement, has mighty repercussions for the conservative media ecosystem. Fox is continuing to pay Carlson and maintains that his contract 
keeps his content exclusive to Fox through December 31st of 2024. That's a long time for Tucker. That's a year and a half that Tucker is gotta be out of the game. That's the entirety of the upcoming election season, which I think would be fantastic to have him <laughs> resign to, I don't know, making weird uh, Instagram story videos. And that's the only way he could weigh in on politics instead of you know having a show, uh, even if it is just on Twitter where no one's gonna watch a whole 30 minute show. I mean, what do you think? I thought that this was ridiculous, right? Like trying to start a show, a long form show on an app where no one's there to consume long form content. Yeah, it, it would have made a lot more sense if he would have just started a YouTube channel. I mean, right. I mean, it just really would have because YouTube is more set up for that. People come on to YouTube to watch long form short form. They just come on to YouTube to watch videos in general. So um, that kind of was weird. But you know, Tucker Carlson realistically could have just sat the whole remainder of his contract out, and he would have kept making money as if he never lost anything. Right. I mean, Tucker Carlson could have never worked a day in his life if he wanted to. I mean. Not that anyone really is that interested. A lot of what makes us human beings is work. Part working is a lot of what we are. So I don't particularly expect him to just sit around and not do anything. But it is kind of strange to watch him like rush super fast. I gotta get to Twitter. I gotta start up another show. <laughs> like, you really don't have to do that. Um, and also his replacement on Fox News. Um, I don't remember if we covered it here or if it was somewhere else. I know I did it on Rebel HQ, but. His replacement was like a younger version of him. He said the exact same stuff that Tucker says. And then Tucker's new show on Twitter, he's saying the same stuff that he's always said. There's no, there's nothing creative about it. There's nothing new about it. It's not like he got fired from Fox and's like, well, now I'm gonna bring people something totally different. I got something up my sleeves. It's just the same old, same old. So realistically, I don't really think he cares that much because how could you win a position like that? He's loaded. And he's Tucker Carlson. He could take a year off and come back on some other TV program, and he would be just as popular as he ever was. Right. Just to the point that you were making. Yeah, I think that if Jank called me up and was like, Ray, we're going to pay you millions of dollars. You don't have to do anything for us. You don't have to work. In fact, we're going to pay you to not work. I'd be like, cool, I'm going to cool. learn a bunch of different cool. stuff. Right. I'm not going to make a weird, uh, weird Twitter show. I'm going to sit down and finish watching all of Veep that I haven't finished yet. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I, I mean, if you were in a situation like that, you could literally like rethink your entire life. Right. Oh, the, the luxury. <laughs> yeah, they said Tucker decided to take his uh, talents, if you can call them that, to Twitter. Uh, and supposedly, according to Twitter's metrics, his first two episodes drew about 169 million viewers. Of course, we know that the way that they count those views is a little bit shady, but that's what they're reporting. Um, but Carlson's lawyers, of course, spoke out against what Fox is claiming. They claim that they're allowed to have this show, specifically his attorney, Harmeet Dillon, released this statement, which says Fox News continues to ignore the interests of its viewers, not to mention its shareholder obligations. Doubling down on the most catastrophic programming decision in the history of the cable news industry, Fox is now demanding that Tucker Carlson be silent until after the 2024 election. Tucker will not be silenced by anyone. He is a singularly important voice on matters of public interest in our country and will remain so. Now Fox has not yet released a statement, but let's just sort of dive into what complete BS that statement is, all right? Fox News does have an obligation to its shareholders, and that obligation includes if they own the rights to Tucker Carlson to ensure that Tucker Carlson isn't profiting off of his rights or isn't allowing another network or another organization like Twitter to profit off of his uh, off of the rights that they own. So that's that's one. Then to claim that Tucker is a singularly important voice on matters of public interest. The guy did a whole show about how he didn't want to have sex with an Eminem anymore. That's a singularly <laughs> important voice on politics for the love of God. Yes, we need it, we need it for the culture. You know what I'm saying? We, we absolutely need him for the culture, even though he hasn't been silenced. And that, that's right. really the craziest thing about him. He hasn't been silenced whatsoever. In fact, he uh, is on Twitter and his shows getting just as many views as it did on Fox News. But yeah, no, and, and then I think there, there was a, cause I read a few articles on this uh, earlier this morning. And there was another quote in there where they were talking about like the first amendment and the freedom of speech and how Fox is trying to cut him off from his right to, to, to freely speak his mind. And it's just like, 
Oh, geez, yeah, like Tucker Carlson's such a victim. He's in such a such a bad state. Um, <laughs> this is just rich people trying to collect all of their money off the table. That's really all it is. Uh, I mean, I, I, it, it, what life would be like to have just that much money and, and to right. where you could just be petty? You know, I want 30, 30 million, 20 million more dollars. It doesn't really make a difference to me, but you know, we're gonna argue about it. So, but yeah, no, this is absolutely ridiculous. Right, and of course he's got the uh, the heir. He's the heir to the Swanson frozen food <laughs> family fortune. He's got that in his back pocket too. I mean, Tucker McNear Swanson Carlson is not he's not <laughs> hard up for cash. All right, he's he doesn't need to have this this Twitter show where yeah. I'm assuming he'll eventually digress into complaining about trans M&Ms or whatever candy is next on his list. Right, something like that. And it just seems like a lot of work, you know, like you've been in right. table for a long time. Just invest your money and go enjoy yourself or start up a new venture or something. Right. I don't know, but you know, it just seems like you probably will be a little bored doing what you're doing after all this time. Right, especially as a man of no talents. I mean, maybe you could go <laughs> learn a skill perhaps. Right. Exactly. All right, well, from one immoral jerk to a large immoral organization, let's switch gears and move into this next story. As if JP Morgan Chase wasn't bad enough, their involvement with pedophile and vile excuse for a human being, Jeffrey Epstein, has made them look even worse. Let's pull up this headline from the Washington Post. JP Morgan reaches $290 million settlement with Epstein's victims. So Aaron Gregg from the Post reported that the tentative agreement would resolve allegations made in a federal lawsuit filed last year in Manhattan. Jane Doe 1 v JP Morgan Chase Bank. Victims accused the banking giant of enabling the sex trafficking operation by allowing for massive withdrawals of cash over a 15 year period, including after Epstein's sex crimes were widely known. A different case brought by the US Virgin Islands remains unresolved. I'm gonna pause right here, I've got more information. I just wanna say there is no ambiguity as to whether or not JP Morgan Chase was aware of, of Jeffrey Epstein's actions. It is beyond a shadow of a doubt, they knew what was going on. Not just after he had been prosecuted the first time, before that they were aware of what was going on. There's recorded you know, documentation, particularly, you know. People are, you know, it's sort of well known that Jamie Dimon's involvement in it. They knew what was going on and continued to allow it to happen. They played a part in it and they absolutely, you know, deserve to be held accountable. I think $290 million is not nearly enough. That's the settlement they've agreed to. But let's get into some more of the details here. The settlement comes after several of JP Morgan's highest ranking bankers were deposed, including Chief Executive Jamie Dimon and Wealth Management CEO Mary Erdos, Jeff Jess Staley, a former JP Morgan executive who the bank said had advocated internally on Epstein's behalf, also faced questioning. So there's someone who worked for the bank on the inside advocating for Jeffrey Epstein, advocating on his behalf. I mean, Jackson. This is disgusting, this is appalling. And I genuinely think the $290 million is not nearly enough for the pain and the suffering that these women went through. Yeah, I think people should be in jail over stuff like this. Just because of you know things like this can happen and then it can be a scar, a traumatic scar on your psyche for the rest of your life. Not only that, but how much of an operation this was. And I think this stories like this, uh, more than anything else, reveal that organizations, government entities are just groups of people who make decisions. And oftentimes those decisions are self-centered. Uh, laws and rules are only things that exist up here that we choose to follow or not. So, you know, like you pointed out, there's absolutely no question that JP Morgan and the executives there knew what Jeffrey Epstein was up to. And all the people who were involved with him, I mean, it goes without saying that they kind of let him get along with it because they were involved in the operation and because he he knew where their skeletons were hidden. He had information on them. Because otherwise, how could a guy like this have gotten away with this for so long? And why did a guy like this have this much money in the first place? He right. started off as like, some Joe Schmo middle school teacher or something. And I'm not saying that to, to criticize teachers. I'm saying that to say to go from a teacher to a multi-billionaire who's basically just an international pimp. That's basically right. what he was. It's just like 
he had a lot of help getting there. And organizations like JP Morgan Chase absolutely helped pave the way. So I think people should be in prison over stuff like this. Exactly. And for so anyone who's wondering if the name Jamie Dimon sounds familiar to you, you might remember him for the from the likes of crying on TV about Elizabeth Warren's proposed wealth tax and saying that she was demonizing unfairly CEOs and the CEO class. Um, so he was more upset about the idea that he ha- might have to pay higher taxes than he was about the fact that his organization that he was in charge of at the time was <laughs> assisting Jeffrey Epstein by helping manage his wealth. So that's yeah. some perspective on that. But let's get into some more details uh, about the lawsuit. Now the lawsuit zeroed in on the extent to which those who knew or worked with Epstein were aware of his crimes and enabled them or looked the other way. It alleged the bank repeatedly ignored warnings that Epstein had been abusing teenage girls while profiting from business he brought to the bank. And their lack of action is absolutely disturbing and the reason why I think primarily that they need to be held accountable. Depositions showed that top JP Morgan executives were informed as early as 2006 that the bank had flagged suspicious activity on his accounts. But it wasn't until 2013, years after Epstein's status as a sex offender was widely publicized and discussed internally at the bank, that Eridos fired him as a client. Years they let this happen, years. They enabled, and and you know, that's why they need to be held accountable. It's not some innocent. Well, we had no idea, which in its own right they should have known. They have a responsibility to know, um, but it, they can't even feign ignorance. They were well aware what was being done, where this money was coming from, what Jeffrey Epstein represented, his criminal behaviors, the fact that he was a pedophile, sex trafficking children. And they still had someone inside lobbying on his behalf, and they continued to have his business, Jackson. I mean, we talk about you know the corporate world and their immoral behavior. I mean, this is just it to an extreme degree. Yeah, and I mean, especially too, that's you know pretty stark to look at. They first got wind of it in 2006, which means that it had already been going on. You know, you gotta. Any type of operation that you have, it takes time to get good at it. You got to work the kinks out. You know what I'm saying? Like anything anybody does, even if it's legal, even if it's perfectly normal, even if it's just running a restaurant, it takes time. And in 2006, I was a freshman in high school. I think, if I remember, if I recall, you know what I mean? Like, so that that's, and Jeffrey Epstein went down very recently. You know, so that that's like an entire, that's like, that's a very long time. I mean, I, I, you know what I'm saying? What's that's like 15 years of them from the time that they first got wind of it. And there's nothing else to say other than these people were in on it. That's it. Right. And that's only when we know from recorded documents that they were aware. They might have been aware long before then. Likely too. were. They likely were. Somebody was. Right, exactly. So we'll keep an eye out on that. You know, hopefully there'll be more justice down the road for these victims, particularly as it comes to JP Morgan Chase's involvement. Um, but let's switch gears. <laughs> let's move into this next story that I can't really wrap my head around. It's very, it's very strange. So let's check in on uh, Gavin Newsom. All right, Donald Trump. Trying for years. I'd be negligent if I didn't get your reaction to what happened in the news. Sad, and, and I say that as an American. I can Are imagine friendly with him. I, well, as you know, I, I didn't have a close fist. I had an open hand. We actually had right. incredible relations during COVID. Right. It was incredible. He would played no politics yep. during COVID with California. Yep. Played none mm-hmm. whatsoever. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I've got a lot of critique from the left. So that was Gavin Newsom discussing his friendly relationship with Donald Trump during COVID. Jackson, did you had you heard of anything like this? I don't know. I, I I was surprised to hear this, especially to say that you were really friendly with Donald Trump during COVID. I think is bizarre, considering we were all there while Donald Trump was massively mishandling COVID and suggesting people drink bleach to kill the <laughs> disease. I mean, or, or put you in, inject UV light, UV right. radiation into their <laughs> bloodstream somehow. We're gonna, we're gonna solidify right. the light. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but yeah, I think that um, I don't know if he was trying to appeal to the audience or, or something like that. Perhaps that's what he was uh, thinking when he did that. But 
I just think that in through here, um, defending Trump in any way publicly, especially if you're in office, it's just not worth it. It just isn't. I mean, because like, again, everything about him screams criminal. And as you pointed out, during the 2020 pandemic, during the shutdown, things weren't great. I mean, California's numbers weren't good. Neither were New York's, neither were I'm at up here in New York. Neither was most of the country. And the funniest thing to me is how so many Republicans were talking about this as if Democrats were responsible when Donald Trump was the president of the United States when everything got shut down. So I just, I think it's, unnecessary, especially because I'm certain that Gavin Newsom's gonna run for president, probably not this time around, but in 2028, he's definitely gonna run for president. Um, and I think that he, whether you like him or not, has a good shot at becoming president or at least getting close. So doing stuff like this just kind of makes you have to drag your feet a little more. Um, so I, I think it was a waste. Right, I do think one interesting thing about it is that it's apparently true that him and Trump were uh, very friendly during this time because Trump did an interview in April with uh, Tucker Carlson and pretty much reiterated what Gavin Newsom had said. He, he's quoted saying, I did, I really did get along with him. He was very nice to me, said the greatest things. He would say things <laughs> like, you're doing a good job, you're doing a great job. To which <laughs> Tucker replied, about you, Trump said, about me. That's why I could never hit him because he was so nice to me. He's just laying in wait, but he was very nice to be, relatively speaking. <laughs> Some of them weren't. We did a good job for the governors. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think that maybe he's he's plotting a run for president. I think that this was a tactical compliment of Trump. Don't know who he's trying to appeal to. They're never gonna vote for you, Gavin. But <laughs> but you know, I think it's odd that they actually did have this friendly working relationship. Yeah. Yeah, but but again, I think that Trump is kind of like one of those guys where if you're not staunchly ideological or against what he's done, he's likable, which may really drive a lot of people crazy. But like if if you he is, I mean, like he in terms of his charisma, and that's one of the biggest differences between like him and a Ron DeSantis. Why Ron DeSantis can't do well in a campaign versus Trump. But like, if you take the politicization out of it, and that's how a lot of people see it, they're like, "Oh, Trump's just a funny guy." You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just—he's just seems like a cool guy. So, again, I think from my perspective, that's who he was trying to appeal to. Right, and we've sort of hinted at the idea that he is sort of maybe plotting, laying the groundwork for a presidential run. So let's pull up a couple headlines here. We've got this from the Hill. Will Gavin Newsom run for president? Experts say it's not if, but when. And then we have another one here, um, Gavin Newsom on possibly running for president. I'm not answering, which means he's eventually gonna run. It's probably not gonna be this year, um, but down the road, eventually we'll probably run in a democratic primary. You know, maybe one of the reasons that him and Trump were friendly is because, you know, Gavin Newsom's ex-wife is engaged to Donald Trump's son. <laughs> They've got that to talk about. What? You didn't know that? No. Kimberly Guilfoy, the the best is yet to come. <laughs> she was yeah. married to Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Well. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That 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 that's something. Right. <laughs> that's something. I'm not, I'm not gonna say nothing else. Right. I'm, I'm not gonna say nothing else. It won't be appropriate for this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's read some comments we've got. Um, over on Twitch, Omega Dragon says Jamie Dimon should never run for anything. Uh, Jamie Dimon is a scourge on society. Jamie Dimon is a parasite and a disgusting one at that. I mean, I was first introduced to Jamie Dimon. I remember, I think I was actually watching TYT and they covered Jamie Dimon crying during an interview talking about taxes. <laughs> Obviously, we didn't get off on a <laughs> the right foot, him and I. Um, Melanie says, as George Carlin would say, it's a big club and you're not at it. Over on YouTube, Jonathan says, is Newsom auditioning for the Godfather part four? It was an odd, it was definitely an odd interview. The vibes were, were strained and strange. I really don't, I still can't understand exactly who he's trying to play to there. I mean. It's not your base, buddy. They're not. They're never going to support you. These people 
12 million people in this country are willing to use violence to put Donald Trump back. They're ready to go. <laughs> right, those people are not, you're not winning them over. <laughs> nah. And then over at the members section, Ginny B says, sure, Gavin, nothing negative during COVID. It was all during the wildfires when he blamed California for not sweeping the forests. Oh yeah, he did say that. He like did say that they, they left the leaves. They, they didn't rake the leaves, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that it's it has nothing to do with the uh, you know the negligence of the power companies and everything to do with not bringing enough rakes into. Not the enough place. yard work was done. They, they didn't they didn't get out there on the Sunday and do the yard work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just the, all of the things that this clown has said. I. <laughs> It just it's even hard to remember all yeah. of the vast moments. I mean, I've just remembered the other day that he stared directly into the, In <laughs> the, sun. Into the solar eclipse. I remember when he was like, I am the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he said that. He said he we needed out. to build a moat around the border. <laughs> yeah, and then he and then he went to the United Nations and was like, My administration has accomplished more than anyone in the US history before Lincoln or something like that. And everybody laughed at him. Yeah, God, what a laughing stock. Although I don't know, we got Joe Biden who seems to be forgetting where he is while he's on. And, 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 and he he can't he can't help himself but to fall everywhere he goes. He's gonna right. <laughs> Slipping <laughs> slip Joe apparently. <laughs> um, well, that's all the time we've got today, Jackson. A pleasure as always. Thank you yes. so much for joining me today. Tell the people where they can find your content, where they can see more of you. Yes, you can see me on Rebel HQ and you can also check out my YouTube, youtube.com slash at politics and paper. I do daily live streams. I got a show that I'm coming out with probably in the next three weeks or so that I'll be doing weekly memberships coming up. Politics and paper on YouTube, check it out. Awesome, thank you again for, for being on with me today. Yes. It's always so much fun <laughs> when we get together. Um, and thanks everybody for watching. Um, stick around because the watch list is next, so you wanna see that. Um, but then come back the same time. Uh, tomorrow and you'll get to see more of me actually filling in for Senator Nina Turner here on Unbossed. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow and if you like what you hear, Give us a five-star rating.